Good morning, everybody. The time is 7.50. Here's your wake-up call for Tuesday, January 4th on KOPN Columbia 89.5. It's the first wake-up call for me of the new year. I hope that you all are doing well this year and hope next year is going to be better than this past one. Um, I'm your host today, Samir Knox. Right now it's 27 degrees out. Stay tuned for a full weather report in just a few minutes. All right right into today's news. Our first story comes from Lauren Niergaard, who is the AP medical writer. This is by way of the Columbia Missourian today. Quote, FDA expands Pfizer boosters for more teens as Omicron surges. So we're still in the Omicron surge as we've been in for uh, nearing close to a, a month and a half now. And the article says, quote, the U.S. is expanding COVID-19 boosters as it confronts the Omicron surge with the Food and Drug Administration allowing extra Pfizer shots for children as young as 12. Boosters are already recommended for everyone 16 and older, and federal regulators on Monday decided that they're also warranted for 12 to 15-year-olds once enough time has passed since their last dose. But the move, coming as classes restart after the holidays, isn't the final step. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention must decide whether to recommend boosters for younger teens. Dr. Rochelle Walensky, who's someone we mentioned last week, and we'll speak about her again in a minute in an upcoming article, she's the director of the CDC, is expected to rule later this week. And if you might recall, last week we did a little bit of um, a focus on on our show about the decision from the CDC to shorten the recommendation for isolation and quarantine for people who've tested positive for the coronavirus to only five days. And um, some of the information regarding that will be uh, investigated a bit further uh, later, or at least reported on a bit further in just a couple minutes. But right now, let's go to our next story, which is from the Missouri Independent, by the way, of Allison Kite. Quote, to protect water, University of Missouri professors recommend tighter regulation of runoff. You may recall that last week, the other thing we spoke about was another article from Allison Kite, particularly about Missouri water. And she says in this article, quote, more than 190 segments of Missouri rivers, streams, and lakes are impaired because of pollution from crop fertilizer, livestock waste, and urban runoff. And without action, two University of Missouri professors say more drinking water utilities might have to spend considerable sums to keep their water supplies healthy, raising rates for customers. The professors, Robin Rotman and Kathleen Trua, suggest that amending the Clean Water Act, which turns 50 next year, to tighten regulations on, quote, non-point source pollution contamination that enters waterways indirectly instead of being poured in from a single location. Rotman and Troth wrote in Ecology Law Quarterly in September, recommending three changes to the Federal Environment Act. The law, they said, had been successful in cleaning up contamination caused by industrial sites, wastewater treatment facilities, and other, quote, point source causes of pollution, but has little power in addressing non-point source pollution. So that was something that we'll also follow up a little bit more on in a second with a national article from The Intercept. But let's circle back to what we were talking about earlier. This is from NPR. The reporter is Deepa Shivaram. This was just a couple days ago at the end of last year saying, uh, which also worth mentioning, seems to illuminate some of the things we talked about last week. 
And it says, quote, Delta CEO asked the CDC for a five-day isolation, and some flight attendants feel at risk. Quote, the newest Centers for Disease Control and Prevention guidance shortening the isolation period for those with COVID-19 from 10 days to 5 days has led to a growing concern about its impact on essential workers such as nurses and airline staff. The CDC Director Rochelle Walensky said the decision to change the guidelines was in part to, quote, keep the critical functions of society open and operating. We started to see challenges with airline flights and other areas. We started with first doing the healthcare workers last week to make sure that we could make keep our hospitals functioning safely and open, Walensky told NPR on Tuesday. The CDC says its decision is also based on the science showing that a majority of COVID-19 illnesses get passed around in the first few days of infection. Other public health experts say that's true, but there's still a chance that transmission to others could happen after the five-day benchmark. There's also concern that mask adherence won't be properly followed, and health experts, including Walensky, have said wearing a mask from day 5 to day 10 is critical for the new guidance to work. So a lot of that, I think, seems to answer some of the questions I, personally, as I've said last week, and I think might bear repeating, someone who's not a doctor, not medically inclined, but just happens to be, you know, I think the attention to this happens to play a larger part in all our lives, particularly in the past two years, but I'm sure in many different ways. Um, Just not understanding that and personally inquiring into that, this seems to reveal a lot. I'm not in a position, and I don't think um, it would be reasonable to say that there's a link between what the headline of this says and what um, we've, what the CDC changed, which is to say that Delta Airlines seemed to inquire to the CDC for a longer, for a shorter, rather, uh, quarantine time for people with COVID-19. But I think it's still somewhat significant to mention that that happened in that order, and that, again, the science is, I think, no less confusing than it has been, and that there's just kind of this always ambient, this is just a personal observation, feeling that whatever you're doing is not necessarily good enough, and that maybe, just based on what I know, and what maybe the other layman would know, maybe there's a better way and maybe what we're doing right now is not exactly the most conducive to to public health. So that's why I felt it was significant to follow up on that and to um, investigate that a little bit, however flawed it may have been last week. So I appreciate that. That was just kind of what I felt makes the most sense as I'm learning as I go and as I think all of us are learning as we go. And of course, there will be more on that in the future. But finally, for our last story of the day, let's get into an article by Sharon Lerner at The Intercept. Quote, EPA official prevented staff from warning public about widely used carcinogen. This carcinogen is called PCBTF, and it is on a list of, quote, green compounds preferred by the EPA, even though there is ample evidence that it causes cancer. Um, This is a quote from her. In December 2019, a toxicologist at the Environmental Protection Agency was tasked with assessing a product that was about to be introduced to the market. As is often the case, the single product, a paint, contains several individual chemicals. One of them is a solvent known as 
benzotrifluoride, or PCBTF, made up of half the product's weight. Um, there is ample evidence that the PCBTF causes cancer, but after the toxicologist included the information in his report, a senior leader in the division removed it. According to documents, EPA whistleblowers shared with The Intercept and submitted to the EPA Inspector General. The deletion left the public with no way to know this widely used chemical was a carcinogen. I encourage you guys to read the article in its entirety. That's about all I have time for. But it goes on to state that the chemical has been used to make other chemicals. It's been in things like ink cleaners, stain removal products, uh, graffiti remover, paint for cars, even garage floors. And each year, about 10 to 50 million pounds of it are used in the U.S., according to the most recent data from the EPA. So that was at the intercept, to repeat that. I think that's important for people to know as we talk specifically about health on this show. Let's get into some weather for today's show before we wrap up. Tomorrow, look at a low of 19, high of 28. Thursday will be a low of 11 and a high of 16 and a slight chance of snow. Partly cloudy on Friday with a low of 4, high of 25. And Saturday and Sunday, you're looking at a low of around 20 and high of 45. Then finally on Monday, we'll have a low of 18, high of 39, partly cloudy throughout much of the week. Of course, at 6 p.m., we have Laura Wacker doing Evening Edition. Right after that will be Dan Veets on at 7 for Sex, Drugs, and Civil Liberties. And of course, in just a few moments, we will have Democracy Now! Thank you for listening, and stay tuned to the rest of KOPN's programming.